Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. We are in the middle of the fastest moving technology shift in our lifetime. And for the majority of us listening, we live through the birth of the internet. So that's definitely saying something. Here's the good news. It's good news. Truly, I have so much to fill you in on. Join me for my upcoming workshop, The Market Shift. It's so crucial to online businesses that I'm offering it completely for free. No strings attached, just pure actionable insights that will help you navigate the coming changes. But that's not all. If you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get exclusive access to my brand new mini course, The Two-Click Funnel absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I'm running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Join me and prepare your business for the future. Go to bossproject.com shift to register now. If you're hearing this, there's still time. Don't miss out bossproject.com shift. So I went to a short local women's conference this weekend. Oh. And It was very interesting, and I don't know if this is just going to be a shift we see in society today because of the pandemic or what, but it was the first time I left a conference, and my major takeaway was do less. I love that for you and us. That's my, that's basically the takeaway I force myself to get from everything I consume. (laughs) I was like... Huh. Because it's literally called Inspired for Life. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see. I'm not feeling very inspired. They were like, be inspired by doing less shit. Basically. Yes. (laughs) I'm here for that. Do they give any tangible like how to's or ways to think about it that could help you do that? Yeah. So we could turn that into an episode. So if you don't want to share them now, you don't have to. It definitely is enough for a whole episode. So stay tuned. I think we could very next episode, we will hit you up with together. (laughs) But it was refreshing to hear that you don't always have to do more and that, you know. That's my favorite thing. So I liked the collective attitude of the room, although it was very strange for me because normally I'm in the like rah rah, let's like manifest and <laughs> conquer the world together. And so I was like very calm and chill when I left and con- yeah. a bit confused by <laughs> a bit confused <laughs> by my takeaway. Although it's been really good. I have been thinking about what to put down. So oh I can't wait to hear more. I'm excited. That's a conversation I always want to be a part of. I'm a big, big fan of doing less. <laughs> I made a friend. I think I like am working on a new like mom friend, like moving her from acquaintance to like, I think we might actually become friends. So I told you all that my daughter is in gymnastics. She's trying out for the team. And so one of the classes that they're in to prep for that team, Penny is taking with 
a friend of hers that she's had since preschool. And I'm just obsessed with that in general. But the mom and I meet up and take the girls to practice on Thursdays. It's a two hour practice. And so her and I will leave and we went and got coffee last week while the girls did practice. And so I am the person who, and y'all probably knows a lot about me. I a, don't have a huge, huge group of friends, although it is obscenely large these days because of like our friend group in my personal life, like Brian's friends. I'm now friends with them and their partners. And like, it's ridiculously big for some reason, because those women have a lot of friends and have like brought me into that. But I'm, I'm coping with that. I'm managing that. But I don't like to take a lot of time in sussing someone out as in like, I need to make sure that we're on the same page, like values wise, life wise, I am literally not going to waste my time with you. If there's a big area in my life that we very like adamantly disagree on and you know, my big areas are everyone's big areas, right? Like politics, religion, body autonomy, and just overall like attitude of a person. And so it felt like, so we went to Starbucks and we got our coffee and we sat down and it truly felt like we were both just like throwing out the most like far, you know, far out things that we could say to gauge how the other person would respond. And there was such a synchronicity in where we stood on things. And while we had like different, not different perspectives necessarily in some areas, but different parts of our upbringing or lives were different. It was so really, really cool to see someone who we were able to lay it out literally all on the table and like know now that our time spent trying to be friends is going to be like well worth it for both of us and our families. So it was really cool. It felt like I was on like a little friend blind date and we talked for two hours and it's going good. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad because I know that day was rough and you were a little bit dreading going. I was so tired. I'm going to need the other practices once she's on the meet to be on different days because, you know, you all have those days in work where, you know, at the end of that day, like you've just done a lot of talking or a lot of showing up. Thursdays is that day for me. We do a lot of client facing things on Thursdays. And so it's not that I'm just talking a lot, but I'm like having to visually make sure my face is okay. I'm like that I'm reacting okay. And then I'm listening attentively. And that just takes a lot of energy for me. And so Thursdays, knowing I had about 30 minutes to wind down and then get right back up to go talking to someone again, I was not looking forward to it, but it worked out well. So well, I'm glad and it's hard to make friends as an adult. So I'm happy for you. Well, it's hard to make friends when I'm immediately like suspicious of everyone. And so, <laughs> you know, I know I don't make it easier on myself, but a lot of that is protection too. When, you know, I know all parents have this in some realm, but like specifically raising a black girl, like immediately I need to suss you out. And so the energy in sussing that out is well worth it, but it's also like, it makes me come off kind of really straightforward and blunt sometimes and that's not everyone's cup of tea so that's okay yeah Yeah. but I'd rather you have a genuine connection than like be fake nice forever because that's never fun I literally I don't think I know how to do that anymore as I used to but then once Penny was born I lost that skill (laughs) 
Yeah. I, Whoops. I find it very exhausting. I, I've done it much of my life for very, very different reasons, but yeah, that's fake. Nice sucks. Well, and what I think is funny is, I mean, in my opinion, and we can dive into this when we go into your topic that you learned from the conference, this has a lot to do with doing less in my opinion, because part of doing less for me is saying yes to like what you legitimately love and making time for that. Yeah. And yeah, so only investing in people that are exactly in you. Absolutely. Exactly. And so like, even for me of having a small talk conversation with someone, I know it's not going to go any further than this. I'm out. Like, I don't need to stand here and have this conversation with you because it's literally a waste of my time. But more on that later. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to I wanted to bring a conversation to the table today to our podcast because, you know, if you follow us on social media, you might have seen that we have been on quite the podcast roadshow this last year or so. And we've been doing some incredible interviews on some other shows and having some great conversations. And it's always fun to kind of do a roadshow like that, a little bit of a blitz, because whenever we talk about our own methodology or thought process around marketing or business growth or partnership or whatever within this conversation, it's always so different when someone else is asking those questions and we kind of have to formulate, you know, a response. It's a little bit different than what feels like a very personal conversation here that you guys just get to listen to. And so one theme that kept coming out of that, that I was like, Oh, like, let's do that for our own show is that when, you know, we have a conversation we talk about a lot on other shows where the things that service providers need to think about before scaling. And ultimately what that conversation has kind of morphed itself into is we first realized we needed to take a step back and talk about what is scaling actually? And what do we misconceive it as? What do we think it is? What is it not? And ultimately what came from that is the two very different kind of avenue of a lot of service providers, a lot of business owners misconstruing scaling and growth. And so we want to talk about the actual definitions of those and how you can apply those in your business and how you can have one without the other. And you can have both and you can have neither. And what does that really look like intentionally in your business? Yeah. So when you think of growth, I think a lot of people go one of two ways. They're either thinking about growth in the business and undoubtedly revenue growth, or they're thinking about personal growth and personal development. But I'm going to focus first on growth of the business. So when we're talking about growth of the business, I want you guys to focus on the revenue growth can be completely separate from the inside inner workings of your business. But for growth to be sustainable, usually other changes need to happen. We, we've talked a lot about how creating sustainability and maintaining a business is often as hard, if not harder, than the growth phases of a business. I will argue all day long that it is harder, much, much harder. Not only in like the tasks required and the skills required, but the mindset required and how your role shifts so much in that phase, in the maintaining phase, because I think a lot of us as small business owners have a lot of that entrepreneur mindset where we're self-starters and we like new, fresh ideas and trying new things and getting them off the ground. And we've also subconsciously become validated from the response we get from others when we're in the first year or so of trying something new and we're seeing success at it. 
And then that response starts to dwindle after we just keep doing the same thing because <laughs> that's not as exciting, but it's fucking harder. <laughs> and we're like, where is my kudos? I'm still doing this thing. Someone be proud of me. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think a good way to consider this is if you're looking at a business trajectory in an ideal world, it would look like a staircase where you have a period of growth followed by a period of maintenance and creating that sustainability. In reality, it does have peaks and valleys and it definitely still contains plateaus, but in an ideal world, you are every time you're it's going like a spiky up. Staircase. Yeah. Every time you're going up, you might come down just a tad from that height. But the goal would be to figure out how you can maintain as quickly as possible. And that's where scaling comes into play. Because if growth is about growing revenue and growing the bottom line of the business, scaling is about creating the structure framework. And in some place, and a good way to think about it is like the scaffolding that's holding up your business. It's we refer to it as the architecture. It's the inner workings, the operations, the people, the actual arrangement of the people in your mm -hmm. business, how the they're organized, the mm -hmm. management of, and all of that works together to create a foundation. Because at the end of the day, I've seen a ton of people grow revenue, but if they do it too fast and too hard and they'd fail to do the scaling part of their growth, then they typically fall pretty hard and in some cases can even lose their business because if you don't have the support on the other end, you have this likelihood of creating a lot of disgruntled clientele who right. are not being served in the way that they were promised. Well, and I think a really key part of that conversation that needs to be had is, and I've seen this happen time and time again, where a business owner sees an odd spike in revenue growth, right? Maybe you benefited a lot in 2020, like a lot of businesses did. Maybe the resurgence of people who were wanting to start a business or grow and explore and actually take whatever they had been focusing on seriously, maybe it helped you. Maybe there were, you know, your industry of clients that were all of a sudden, like really after the thing that you were putting out into the world. And so we saw a spike in growth. And then of course, that's going to dwindle, right? Like you guys saw this happen with Peloton. Like it, it drastically spiked with people buying like a shit ton of fitness equipment to work out from home when going to gyms were literally unsafe. Well, as soon as gyms started opening up again, that there's going to be less membership. There's going to be less interest and that's going to die down. It's not because their business model is broken. It's not because people don't care about those things, but the spike of that interest is leveling out and that's absolutely expected. But what I don't see smaller business owners having the conversation is after the spike, asking yourself, is that type of growth something that I even want to maintain? And if it isn't, then the structure, the architecture needs to look a little bit differently, but there also needs to be recognized that then the growth is not going to be that high again. I'm interrupting myself to bring you something that could change your business forever. I'm hosting a workshop that's so important. I've made it 100% free for all online businesses. Here's what I can promise you. Inside the market shift, you're going to get the most value-packed 90 minutes you've seen in years. I'm going to share the ecosystem that represents online businesses today. You're going to walk away knowing how to create more predictable income and sustainably scale, regardless of where you're starting today. 
You'll uncover the AI secrets top entrepreneurs use to stay ahead, boost productivity, and secure their future. You'll have the exact equation that's making wealthy people wealthier and be able to steal copy-paste it before it widens the wealth gap any further. When you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get access to my exclusive brand new mini course, the two-click funnel, absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I've been running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Save your seat right now at bossproject.com shift, then share it with a friend. There isn't much time between now and the workshop, so head right now to bossproject.com shift to claim your spot. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's totally okay. And we are talking with our mastermind clients this week a bit about what it takes and how you have to show up at different stages, depending on how many people are in your business and how your role shifts as the CEO. And while we're not focusing that on today in this show, I do want to be mindful that that's a big driver of this. It's you can if you want to build a giant business with tons of people working there that has this incredible revenue attached to it. But it is always going to be the case of diminishing returns where you can add more people, but you know, you may go from a 40, 50, 60% margin to 30 or 25 or 20. And And I was even listening to a book the other day called The E-Myth, and they were talking about franchises. And specifically, the thought is you buy another business and the rise of franchise, it used to be that you're buying a business in just its name alone. Now a franchise, you're buying a business structure. You're buying the inner workings, the systems, the whole architecture of how the business is put together. But even at that, they were talking about amazing margins of like 13%. And I was like, do you really want a McDonald's that makes 13% margins? Like, I'm not saying you can't. And I'm not saying you can't be an owner and not an operator. But that's a lot of work to only make that kind of margin. And so you well, can- then that's when quantity is in your favor. And yeah. Having more than one franchise is your better option. And that requires 
capital, which a lot of us do not have access to. Right. And so it's like, how do you want to make your money? And I do want to be mindful that there is a level that you can dictate that will determine your life and lifestyle to an extent. And what is your I'm good phase, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you may be really comfortable with three to five employees and yeah. making a decent salary and still not delivering every aspect of your client deliverables. But, you know, I know a lot of you are still in the doing everything for every part of your business. And as much as I know you can do that, at the end of the day, you've created a job for yourself and eventually the job will go away because you'll either quit or something else will cause it to diminish. And because what typically happens when you are a founder and you create a job for yourself, the job is okay to have for the first couple of years as you're building up the income, you're building up the revenue growth, right? But ultimately, you know, year is going to happen anytime. But you, I like to envision it as you created this job for yourself and then you're doing your job and then you have a pretty shitty boss who's also you, who's expecting you to go above and beyond to grow the company and think big and network and do all these other things that's literally required for a CEO or a founder or the head of whatever. And you're like, I just want to do my job. I don't want to have to do all those other things. I don't get paid enough to do all those other things. You then have created like a pretty toxic work environment for yourself. And so we need to be aware of that coming down the pipe. Yeah. So I want to strike the balance of how do you grow in a way that's both responsible, like, cause I don't want giant flash in the pan results. I remember <laughs> early on in our business, you should see some of the spikes. They were the <laughs> $12, like, $50,000. No, no, no. It was quite literally, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but it was like, literally like 75, 80,000. And then the next month, like 9,000. <laughs> yeah. And I can't tell you how hard it is to live on that roller coaster, but it is not fun. Like, you know, the like you'll hurl because you're coming down the coaster so fast. That's what it feels like literally every couple months. And so I'd much rather take growth at a little bit of a slower quip and you create sustainability at these kind of plateau points and figure out where you want to ultimately maintain. Because I like, why do we have to have this ridiculous standard that the businesses need to just keep growing and scaling forever and for always? Well, and what's funny is, is the standard isn't we need to keep growing and scaling. The standard is I need to keep growing and growing and growing. And there's no thought sent to scaling. I think, in my opinion, that business owners think, Growing and scaling are the same thing. Right. Scale the business. I'm going to make more. I'm going to do this, which means I'm going to work with more clients. Okay, baby, how's that going to happen if there's no more team members, if there's no SOPs, if there's no processes, if you're doing all the deliverables and the communication and the selling and the marketing and the capacity, you you have have a capacity issue. And so there has to be scaling being brought into this conversation. If you want to be seeking growth in any way, shape or form, let alone sustainable and ethical growth. But we even still have conversations with our clients who've been working with us for years and who are sold into the life first, you know, business value and who are 
building an ethical business and really trying hard. And they are still rewiring their brain and unworking subconscious beliefs that they have to see incredible results year after year after year, or they're doing it wrong. And there is a missed conversation had about the people who are just still doing it without the burnout, who are seeing the same growth that they are comfortable with and that they like with ease, with less of them. And that only happens with paying attention to scaling. Yeah, I think I'm not going to name this particular client for privacy reasons, but we have a client we've worked with for several years. And it'd be really easy to immediately dismiss the fact that she made about the same two years in a row in terms of revenue. But first of all, she amazing, by the way, congrats for maintaining your business. But she also lost a referral partner that was sending her 30% of her business. And she completely replaced that income on her own. So really, it was like she, she grew. grew. And then on top of that, she was previously doing all of the deliverables, every aspect of the business. And she has since added on strategic help. And it's not always full time. It's not always this humongous part of the business, but it was enough that she could fully step away. She could be on vacation for two weeks and someone else could completely maintain show the deliverable and show up for her clients and they could have an incredible experience and she didn't have to be there. And the awakening I saw in her about no. the potential of what it feels like to know your clients are both completely cared for and taken care of because you've developed them in your culture. That truly, like I could see it happening in her face as she was sharing these stories of like, she knew there could be maybe a reality one day where she wasn't just a business owner, but she was the owner of something really incredible. And in that conversation, when she was sharing all this, she just, she was like, I finally get it. I finally got a taste of what it could feel like as the founder of something, as the CEO, as the organizer of all of these things and truly then grow and scale the company in a way that she had never really imagined. She used some of the phrases that we've talked about here before, where she truly felt like it went from business to a company. And I think that that seeing that shift in our clients and seeing it come with the support and education of the resources that they know they're going to need in order to carry the company through is really, really cool. Because when you still try to run a business when you want a company, that's when it's going to feel really extra hard and it's going to feel like you're up against a wall. Yeah. I don't want you to feel trapped in any sort of way. I want you to feel like you have some freedom to choose and some freedom to move around. And the cool part about scaling, if done effectively, you still get to have seasons where you show up differently and in different capacities over time. Does it mean you have to hire or move tasks around or reorganize a little bit? Absolutely. Like that's always going to be part of the conversation, but there's a way to do that ethically and sustainably. And that still honors your team members. Like it's really hard to watch when I see other people in the industry grow these businesses and like shoot up overnight and build this huge staff only to have a third or less of them 
a year or 18 months later. I'm like, don't sell a vision that you can't maintain. And I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes or that I haven't had seasons where I couldn't have predicted that the business would go this way or that. Like that'll always happen. But I just want to help you guys do this in a way that you feel really in alignment with and it can grow and evolve with you as a human. Yeah. I think it's always interesting to me to, you know, we've had the conversation here where even our peers and in this industry of everyone thinks that they want that like viral type of fame or explosion in business growth or, you know, overnight success kind of story that we all know isn't actually overnight success. And you and I have talked about after seeing it kind of happen and then crash and burn for so many of our friends and peers and, and just people who we know in this industry, you and I are like, no, we're good. Like we're good. I will take slow and steady wins the race every single time over that. Yeah, absolutely. Now you may be wondering what are the next steps? Like say I do want to grow and then scale and maintain, like, what do I need to be doing? What do I need to be thinking about? And there's a couple of things that need to be addressed right off the bat, because if you don't address them first, then putting people in place, you may not even financially be able to afford. And so the first thing we do with all of our clients is is really do a pricing audit. I want to see how you're currently selling your goods and services, where your leads are coming from, but ultimately, what are you pricing comparatively to what is your capacity as a company. And if it's just you, it's going to be completely different than if you have team members, but we need to understand what your organizational capacity looks like and what levers you need to pull in order to continue to make additional income. But the mistake I see people making is even if they have team members, there's such a disconnect between what the price point needs to be at to maintain operations that like I've watched people stay way too close to break even for far too long that it adds so much additional pressure to everyone working there that it makes it really, really a hard place to work. And so I want to look at your price point. I want to make sure you're strategic in your market because selling B2C, you're going to have a different strategy than if you're selling B2B. It's also going to be completely different if you have this boutique work less, work with less people model versus if you are in some sort of quantity game. We definitely have clients on both ends of that spectrum. And both are definitely possible, but they have a big impact on how you show up. And from there, once we've addressed pricing and price point, we need to look at how you're spending your time as the founder. Because typically, what's happening is the founder is spending too much time in client delivery that they don't have enough time to even consider all the other parts of the business that need to be put in place. Because it can be for a season quite lopsided where you have to spend a way more of your time setting up systems and operations, but that's such a short stint in the grand scheme of things that I'd much rather you shift focus for a bit. But if you don't have the ability to maintain the business you have today while shifting your focus, like there's a much bigger problem at play. 
And I want to help you figure out how to maintain income, maintain your current clients while going through this messy middle Mm -hmm. shift. And so, well, and I will say, just so y'all are forewarned, the messy middle, the year of actually establishing the architecture, the structure for the scaling to happen, you will make less profit and probably make the same amount of income as you did the years prior. There will not be growth in every department while you are in a major scaling year and setting up the infrastructure of your business. That's okay, because if you can literally just maintain what you have previously, while also building the bones of what is ultimately going to scale you and catapult you past that, the fruits of your labor will be there in subsequent years. But we have to have focus and the right expectations for that current messy middle year. Yeah. Year to 18 months, honestly. Yeah. You got to be prepared to make the same for a period that may feel like you're doing more than you ever have before. But the long-term effects of setting this up and setting it in place, like you're doing this for your future self (laughs) and for the future livelihood of your business. And it is worth it. It's been worth it every single time. We just went through a huge growth period in our business. And Emily and I looked at each other and we're like, if we don't stop growing, like we will go backwards. And so we need to shift into scaling mode, maintenance mode, efficiency systems. And not that we weren't build. I mean, because we literally talked to our clients. They're like, I feel like I'm trying to build the plane while I'm flying it. I'm like, you literally are. You are. Welcome. Yeah. There's no world where you can just like press a pause on your business for a year and rebuild the systems and everything just like function beautifully. I bet you still need income. I bet you still have contracts you need to deliver on. <laughs> yeah. And so we want to help you maintain it in a way that isn't going to make you go insane in the process. Because there are things you can do right away that are going to give you some temporary relief to give you some space and some room to make these adjustments. And I'm excited for you because, you know, as much as I feel like we make this sound intimidating, all of this is for the long-term longevity of your business. I would much rather you make a little bit less money, but do it for 25 years (laughs) than you make a shit ton more for three years in a row. And then you have to quit and like, go on sabbatical for two years to even recover from the burnout that you've just experienced. Because ultimately, like if you're truly coming down to it of just where will I make more money, the slow and steady makes more money in the long run every single time. Oh, absolutely. Every single time. Ah, and so I want to help guide you through this process. I want to help you see your opportunities. And I'd love to talk to you about what phase are you at? Because I do think we have clients yeah. at various stages. Maybe they're part of the way into scaling and they feel like they don't even really know what they're doing and they need more guidance. Maybe, Maybe they need to have some cash cushions so they need a growth year to head into scaling year. Yeah. And regardless of where you're at, like I want to have a conversation to help you figure out What's that very next step and how can we help you maintain this for the long run? So if you go to bossproject.com slash waitlist, you can fill out a quick form. Give me a little bit of a brief overview about where you're at and how you're struggling. What are the parts that maybe you'd be afraid to admit on the internet out loud, but you'd, you'd stay in a closed environment? 
go ahead and tell me everything. Like this is a confidential place for us to have a conversation. And then you're going to immediately be able to book a call with me and we can chat one-on-one to see just where you're at and how we might be able to help you move forward in this next stage of business. Just head to bossproject.com slash waitlist. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.